It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Here it is, episode 601. Welcome to Carcone Carne, sponsored by Siren Records in McHenry. I'm James Van Osdell. And last night was episode 600. It was legitimately a five-hour affair. I talked for five hours, had about 30 guests on the show, and you can watch that on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook, and you can listen to it. I, I chopped it up so it's more digestible if you want to take it in, in chunks. Uh, if you go to carquincarney.com or any podcast platform, I separated last night's landmark episode 600 into five separate episodes. And just a quick rundown of some of the highlights. We had Josh Caterer from the Smoking Popes, Martin Adkins from Pigface, Broken Robots, Nathan Graham, Stuby from Lucky Boys, Blood People, Daryl from the Bull Weevils, uh, Scott Smith, our man in Chicago, Fort Francis, Amy Guth, Herb from Liars Club, uh, Dan Wade from Riot Fest and Treaty of Paris, Yes Factory from Rockford, uh, Jillian from Hi Ho, Hot Doug, who literally is doing nothing now. So he had all the time in the world to podcast yesterday. Dog from Sunshine Boys, David Singer, Guardrail, Superkick, Jesse from Manbecue and Feast City. That is a fraction of what happened last night. It is all available for your consumption wherever you consume podcasts, or of course, you can watch on Facebook and YouTube. Tonight, it's the return of a regular guest, uh, someone who is always uh, welcome on the show, who's always entertaining, who I could probably do a five-hour show with, with no yeah, need what's for... This, what's this bullshit fucking Scott Smith and uh, Doug Julian on the Night of a Thousand Stars, but not me? Well, what? I knew you were coming up. I didn't want to... I, I want to keep you underexposed. I want to make it <laughs> special when you appear. <laughs> well, we won star tonight. I was too big, That's too big right. for the Night of a Thousand Stars. That's right. And to well, come on the next day. This will be perfect. So Mike Vanderbilt, for context, he is the curator at Rock Island Public House in Blue Island for the drive-in series that happens there every weekend. He also curates the music box of horrors at the at the drive-in in Pilsen. He's also working right now at Rock Island Public House. He's slinging drinks as we're talking. So I'll keep introducing him. Mike curates the music box of horrors. And th this drive-in that got set up, in Pilsen, Chi-Town movies. This was one in a year that was scant on highlights. Chi-Town movies, that location in Pilsen for the music box of horrors. I swear to you, it was one of the few highlights I had during the pandemic. Going there, watching horror movies. For those moments in time, in October of last year, I felt like, okay, everything's all right. I'm seeing cool movies. I'm out in the universe. Well, here's the deal. It's Halloween this weekend. The Music Box of Horrors is returning to Chi-Town Movies, curated by the now-returning Mike Vanderbilt. And I wanted to talk about what's coming up. So we're recording this on Tuesday the 27th, starting on Friday the 30th. It is a full weekend of really excellent movies. A nice job. And Thank you. With one, one exception, pretty pretty mainstream type stuff that I think are, are appealing to, or is appealing to general audiences, general horror audiences. Yeah, I was uh, really happy. I mean, it's not just me. It's of course the team with uh, Katie Wright from the AV club, Will Morris from the music of theater, Ryan Ostrike, and uh, the team over at creepy co who are looking to make half a ween, a regular thing uh, every, every year, right around now, right around this time. Are, are they the people responsible for the fangs I got when I showed up 
in October? Indeed they are. We worked with them closely at the Music Box of Horrors. They did a real nice uh, kind of, what I want to say, like swag package for everybody. And they got some really cool uh, collector's cups, mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm sure, you know, we, we, you and I have discussed our difference in age before. But, like, something we both grew up with were plastic collector's cups. Yes, exactly right. I will say, just before we start talking about the movies, you need to be strategic about the bathroom. Not that the bathrooms there are bad. It just takes a while to walk up the ramp to get to the bathroom. It does. Get it done beforehand or when you know there's going to be a slow part. But That's not, right. a lot of, not a lot of slow parts uh, this weekend. No. So let's talk about it. Friday night at 11 p.m., Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Now, this, Mike Vanderbilt, this is a personal favorite of mine. Has been since 1982. I think it is one of the most underrated movies in horror. So I got to ask you, how old were you when you saw it in 1982? Oh, I'm not answering that. I was young. <laughs> you were young, but mm -hmm. uh, you loved it from the get-go. From the get-go. Despite the absence of Michael Myers. You know, I, I'm trying to remember that far back. I don't know. I, I certainly didn't see the first two Halloween movies in the theater. I, this was the first Halloween movie I saw in a theater. So I, I didn't really... I didn't have expectations. I it just it looked cool. The the masks, the 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 commercials were awesome. The trailers, and so I, it was scary. I was I was younger. It, it was a, a, it, it is a great trailer with just that mask with the eyes. Really has nothing to do with the movie, but very visceral and very memorable. Uh, this was a favorite of mine growing up too, which my dad was always quite tickled by the Silver Shamrock theme. Mm -hmm. He just thought it was the funniest thing. He would always hum it and sing it around Halloween time. So it was surprising to me as I got older and I found out that a lot a lot of people liked that movie although I understand the reasoning is you know like you expect Michael Myers and then you don't get it and that's because John Carpenter was done with the Michael Myers thing him and Deborah Hill were still on as producers and they wanted to turn it into an anthology that dealt with stories around the Halloween uh, the Halloween holiday and so I always dug it so then when I got older, and then it became this underrated, as you said, the most underrated horror movie of all time. It was, it's funny because now we're at a point now, because I used to edit Daily Grindhouse, and I, I'd sift through these pitches, and there was a, <laughs> every day I'd get one pitch somebody wanted to write about how Halloween 3 was the most underrated uh, move, horror movie of all time. And it's like, well, we're at a point now where it's been written about so much, where I dare I say it, it may be overpraised. Because it yeah, is a that's very. Fair. It is a very silly movie, which is what I appreciate about it. But well, uh, it's, it's it's a dark comedy. I mean, it's a whole bunch of things. It's a horror movie. It's a dark comedy. There's some great gore in there. Uh, it's a thriller. It's a mystery. Um, kids don't fare well. It's It's got a <laughs> well, lot going on. As Vincent Canby of the New York Times wrote, it manages to be anti-child, anti-capitalism, anti-television, and anti-Irish. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, spoiler warning, I'll be introducing this on Friday night. And I've been looking at old reviews myself of this movie from back in 1982. Siskel and Ebert included it in their... Do you need to go 10 bar? Give me a minute. You, you yeah. keep going. Okay. Uh, Siskel and Ebert included Halloween 3 in their Stinkers of 1982 show. Ebert hated it. He said it was a boring, slow-paced thriller. Truth is, it is a fantastic story. It is over the top. It's It deals with witchcraft. Stonehenge, which is very metal. Uh, it's just, it's a fantastic movie. And initially when it came out, like Mike said, people dismissed it because it wasn't Michael Myers. It wasn't what people had come to understand that franchise to be. But uh, on its own, I, I think it totally holds up. It is a classic. And that is happening Friday night 
out in Pilsen at Chi-Town Movies, 11 p.m. So it's a late one, but it's not a school night, so you're good. A little noisy at Rock Island Public House. I'm glad they have business. It's been a tough year for everybody. I'm glad to see people are going back, supporting their local watering hole out there in Blue Island, over by there. There. So I'm going to jump ahead while Mike is bartending. Saturday, May 1st, this coming Saturday night, it is a double feature. I can talk a lot about the feature movie that night. He'll he'll have to talk about the opening movie. Midsummer is the the big one that night. Midsummer, Midsummer. Uh, Florence Pugh is so good in this, and this is hands down one of my favorite horror movies of the past few years. I saw that one in the theater with my pal Dennis, who was on episode 600 last night. Uh, it is about a fertility festival and if you've ever seen and loved the wicker man this is along those lines not the nick cage version the the original wicker man this is a direct descendant of the wicker man midsummer yes you could probably watch it on amazon prime you could probably see it elsewhere seeing it on the big screen seeing it at a drive-in uh will be awesome there are a couple scenes in there that are so over the top shocking I, I had that nervous laughter in the theater as I watched these scenes. They're so intentionally disturbing. You, you get that nervous laugh when you see it happen. Mike Vanderbilt is back. We're walking. We're walking. He's done with out. customers. I think that's we're a great gonna, we're idea. We're going to hide out in here for a minute. Because otherwise, people are just going to keep ordering shit, and I'll have to keep winging it. I don't want. I, I spent five hours talking last night. I don't want to make anything else up. And with that, Mike has left the room. I'm just going to chuck the show for the rest of the week. I'm done. Uh, gotta love patio season, though, because you do get to take people's money and send them outside. That is great. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I was saying I, I kind of covered Halloween 3. I moved on to Saturday night, midsummer. Uh, I said it's one of my favorite horror movies of the past couple of years. I'm wearing a midsummer shirt, for fuck's sake. I loved it. I thought, you know, people were complaining about the Academy Awards this weekend. Like there were that many movies to choose from for this year's Oscars. It, it, it was what it was. My problem with the Academy Awards is that it overlooked and continues to overlook great performances in horror. I thought Florence Pugh, I think Florence Pugh in Midsummer, is a just an exemplary performance. You know what? I'm going to say it right now. I mean, this is not a popular opinion, but I'll say it because we're almost sold out on this one. So if you're looking to see Midsummer, uh, you better get the tickets. Never was a favorite of mine, despite liking Hereditary as much as I did. See, I didn't like Hereditary. I was the opposite. My problem with Hereditary, I didn't like any of the characters. I need to at least kind of like one of the lead characters to really like a movie. I hated everybody sure. in the movie. I'm, I'm with you on that. But I do have a great story about Ari Aster because I went to Fantastic Fest, which is a big uh, film festival down in uh, Austin at the Alamo Draft House. Uh, the last one that they had before the pandemic hit and everything. So this would have been September of 2019. And I was on uh, a trivia team. Like, they, as you know, I, I enjoy movie trivia and I'm pretty okay at it. And I was on a team with Ari Aster, from the director, writer director of uh, Midsummer. And I made him, uh, well, I'm sorry, I didn't make him. I convinced him to drink uh, Jepson's Malort. I saw that picture you posted. I, I didn't have the context. <laughs> if, if, I, if I have, you know, I, I made a convert. It was funny talking to him, though, because. 
he's, he likes his horror on the arty side, but, and this will come up later in the show. I said, well, do you like, what do you like? What do you like as far as the trashy horror goes? And he thought about her for a minute and he said to me, you know what? I always really liked Sleepaway Camp. So maybe we're going to get a re- an Ari Aster helmed reboot of Sleepaway Camp at some point in the future. Well, we'll transition to Sleepaway Camp because that, that's coming up on Sunday night. But staying on Saturday, May 1st, again, as Chi-Town Movies in Pilsen, Midsummer. I, I again, I think Florence Pugh was fantastic in that movie, uh, truly. Uh, and I was saying, Mike, when you were away, there are scenes in that movie that when I saw it in the theater, they were so over the top and so gruesome. I, I'm still, <laughs> I, I have that nervous laugh as I'm recounting them. There's a, there's a scene, I'll just say the cliff scene, the cliff where... Scene. I, I just I was I had that nervous energy because it was so it was so wrong. Yeah. Nothing if not memorable. Right? Nothing if not memorable. I mean the movie opens, this isn't necessarily a spoiler. The movie opens with a really dark death that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, you know what? And for me, like, I mean, and I could I could say like I was really ex- interested to see where it was gonna go from there. And I mean I it just didn't it didn't go where I expected, but I kind of knew it was gonna turn into I mean it's very reminiscent of the wicker man right for sure it is which we had talked about pairing it with midsummer but like they're almost too similar i agree i agree and it's shocking watching the original wicker man how subversive it still plays like it's given you certainly don't know what to expect out of that movie you don't but when you when you place it in its time the original release was what 72 73 i think you're about right yeah it's definitely early 70s it's hard to imagine many other movies daring to do that sort of stuff back then. It certainly was Indeed. a standout. Indeed. But I agree. I think pairing Midsummer with Wicker Man would have been too much stranger in a strange land. <laughs> Your customs confuse me and scare me. That would have been too much. So talk about the the movie you have on this this double feature is one I hadn't heard of. Okay. Uh, actually, let me let me read. You mentioned um, your your colleagues your co-conspirators uh for the music box of horrors i forgot which one it was uh, one of the the people at music box wrote speaking of perverse catharsis there's alucarda a movie that's known among connoisseurs of connoisseurs of far out world cinema for three things blasphemy blood and lots of screaming <laughs> sold yeah, no, it's a really cool uh, Mexican uh, production from 1977 from Juan Lopez Moctezuma. Uh, he only did five movies. He definitely dabbled in the horror uh, genre, horror, supernatural, suspense. Uh, this one's one of my favorites. It's uh, it's creepy. It kind of uh, intersects with nunsploitation, which was one of my favorite exploitation uh, subgenres. It's been compared to Ken Russell's The Devils, which is currently on Shudder, which is leaving Friday, I found out. So if you get oh. a chance, watch it, because this one... Uh, it's it's hard to find in the states if you don't know where to look. So get it while the getting's good. See, um, now there are people watching or listening right now who just learned that there is such a thing as nunsploitation movies. <laughs> oh, nunsploitation is one of my favorite uh, subgenres. Very popular in the seventies. Uh, that, that is that is so horror hipster of you. Very. Yeah. <laughs> That's me, the horror hipster, the number one gatekeeper in town. Yeah, I, I don't like slasher movies. I'm more of a nunsploitation guy. Well, you have to be. You have you know. <laughs> When you you know, as as somebody who loves for I know you dig foreign horror, like there gets to a point where it's like you've seen all the stuff you feel like you've seen all the stuff slashers yeah. can do, at least American slashers, and you oh, have for to, sure. You have to move on from it. And this was one that I really dug. I really think if you're coming out for midsummer, please stick around for Alucard. It's 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 short. 
I don't want to say it's a breeze because it's a lot to take in, but it, it's it's very visceral. And I think that was Katie Reif that wrote that. That's it. Lot, I couldn't think of the name. That's right. There's going to be a lot it. of screaming uh, at the drive-in on Saturday night. See, I thought Midsummer was uh, the second film of the night. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. I got to put Midsummer up first. I mean, that's the hit. That's the hit. Alucard is the B-side, but what a B-side it is. All right. Sold on that. So as we talk about slasher movies, Sunday night, this coming Sunday, May 2nd, Friday the 13th, part three, and the previously mentioned Sleepaway Camp. So this was kind of my, this was my night. This was my baby that I really kind of programmed though. Because when we were working with Creepy Co., they definitely wanted to do one of the Friday the 13th films. And usually when you program Friday the 13th, you, people love the original. People love Baghead Jason in the second one. And final chapter is the quintessential Friday the 13th movie. When you, if you were to put a Friday the 13th movie into a time capsule and, you know, what is a Friday the 13th movie? Part four hits the nail on the head. That's what it is. But a lot of people kind of look over three, and I think it's hard, as we were discussing, underrated when it came to third entries. I think it's hard to call any Friday the 13th movie truly underrated, but I think this one gets overlooked in that original run. Mm -hmm. Because I, mean, I really like this one, because even when it's not in 3D, the 3D gags are great. The eyeball from the head, uh, the yo-yo. I mean, some are kind of silly, but like they really pushed that 3D technology uh, as far oh, as yeah. they could. Uh, but what I really like about it is that it's the only Friday the 13th movie shot in scope, that 235 to 1 really extra wide aspect ratio. So the way director Steve Miner, who had directed part two and he had worked on the original one, utilizes the frame uh, to create suspense because you probably missed it watching it on VHS a million times when you're a youngster. But Jason's always kind of there creeping in the shadows, like just out of frame. And you can really only see that in the 235 to 1 frame, which I think people are going to really take in. That's interesting. Seeing it on the big, big screen. That, that's fun. So see an old movie in a new way. Yeah, I really think so. And I think it's the most, it's one of the most visually impressive of the films because it was uh, where the series moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. So it's had a lot of that great uh, California sunlight. And it just makes for a very distinctive uh, looking film. And this is the one where Jason gets his mask. So it's, it's iconic in mm -hmm. not only horror history, but in film history. For sure. So Sleepaway Camp, you mentioned that. Sleepaway Camp is really the the heir to Friday the Thirteenth. I, I always call it like Sleepaway Camp is definitely a like maybe the I don't know hard to call it maybe the crown jewel of that the first wave of ripoffs <laughs> that it. came in the wake of Friday the Thirteenth. This it. came in '83. It opened in Chicago in May of '84. It played at the State and Lake alongside Police Academy. What a double feature that is! You could have even caught it with Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, which was playing around Chicago at the same time and uh so sleepaway camp definitely has it, it's dated i mean when you talk about that twist ending and a lot there's a lot of conversation surrounding it and what it means but i've always kind of felt that sleepaway camp really wasn't trying to say anything at all and uh i think the ending still is provocative and it still is shocking but i don't think that's the only thing that's worth talking about with this movie because what i love about this movie is all the grotesque characters that populate this film it's almost like new it's like it's populated robert hiltzik the writer director populated with uh john waters uh, ultra nasty new jersey cousins uh in this film and it really ushers in the era of the anti-hero slasher 
where mm -hmm. everybody who gets killed in this movie gets what they deserve from the quote unquote villain who uh, I would dare call an antihero. Uh, Tom Walsh checked in. Nunsploitation. Here's some stars for that one Vanderbilt. Thank you, Tom Walsh. <laughs> hey, typical uh, Southside Irish. They fucking love nun. They would love nunsploitation. And they Natalie, can't tell their, they just can't tell their uh, their uh, grade school teachers about it. Natalie picked up on horror hipster. That's me. Yeah, because you know, again, <laughs> put, it on my put it on my business cards, James Van Oz. Sl slasher movies are so passe. Nunsploitation. That's my 1970s. Foreign nunsploitation. Foreign nunsploitation. Only, uh, but I, I prefer I prefer it in the original dub to recreate the exploitation experience. Right. I mean, you, this is the equivalent of saying, "Yeah, I I have pieces of eight by sticks, but I only listen on eight track." <laughs> the only thing eight track was ever good for was transporting cocaine in. No, the only thing eight track was ever good for was two XL, which was a learning robot toy for kids back in like the late seventies, early eighties, two XL. I missed him. I had Alfie, which was where you slid a car. Yeah. Okay. I, I need to pull up two XL because <laughs> this was, it was like a trivia game that kids played, but it, basically you shove an eight track in his crotch. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. And he told jokes. Wow. A two XL on eBay goes for 125 bucks. That's cheap. Get one. Order it right now. Sure. I'm made of money. That's a great idea. <laughs> you got all that podcasting money coming in. That's right. Oh, that's cute. That's sweet. Uh, <laughs> where is 2XL? Here we go. No. Here we are. From eBay. That's 2XL. Oh, yeah, I don't remember 2XL. Alfie was similar, though. Like, if you looked up an Alfie 2, Alfie 2 is kind of like the mid-80s version of 2XL, I think. Amazing. All right, so I digress. Uh, eight tracks. <laughs> that was good. Horror good hipster. Uh, I, I do want to. Oh, Tom, who just checked in, also wants us to know that Alan Cromwell from Blue Island Beer Company, a former guest, all around good dude, Blue Island Beer Company, in the house. Hello to Alan. Big fan. Big, uh, fan, okay. no, big, big fan of what they do down at Blue Island Beer Company. Absolutely. It, which is a stone's throw from where you are right now. Right down Rock the street. You can really make a day of it coming down here. So we're, I'm going to come on. I'm going to try and get on next week to talk about what we got lined up for. I was going to say, dude, I saw you publish that. I'm like, are, are we talking about that tonight? No, Berlin? let's talk about that next week. I don't want to, I don't want to co, I don't want to co-mingle. Uh, it makes sense. Okay. My paychecks. <laughs> cool. That, that'll give me time to gather my thoughts on a couple of those movies in yeah, particular. I think pretty good. I had a pretty good run coming down there, but this weekend is all about the uh, Halloween drive and the tickets are almost sold out. Across like, the board, I, Friday through Sunday? On every single night. So I got to urge people that if you're thinking about doing it, it's supposed to be 70 degrees all weekend. So you, don't wait till the day of the event. Like, get it now. And this is, we, we said it a million times, Mike, of all the things to emerge during the pandemic that are worth pulling through to the other side, the new normal, drive-ins. I ne never thought it'd be it, but I'm glad that it's happening. Uh, and I know, uh, we did an interview for the Halloweenies podcast with Joe Bob Briggs, uh, last week, which will be airing this week. I know he's excited about it too. Uh, and do you want to plug your, your double feature podcast? Yeah, please, uh, check out the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show podcast, which you can find on, uh, wherever podcasts are sold. Uh, a lot of great Chicago cinema history. We, uh, we, uh, me and my co-host Adam Carson, we find a double feature to play around the Chicago area and give a little history of the theater where it played, what was going on around town in the news, the other movies that were playing around town. And, uh, then we talk about the movies. 
Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to research. So I, it's the kind of podcast that I would like to listen to. Well, it is the podcast that I do like to listen to. I, I love all that old Chicago stuff. I love all the movie stuff. I mean, it scratches so many itches for me. So I, I love that you're doing that. That's what we try to do. We try to create the world around the movies that we're playing and place uh, place the films in a time and place, uh, which I think you need to do to understand well, I mean, why something uh, was received the way it was. I mean, I remember when I was a kid going down by like, state and randolph that that area where which is now you know the theater district i mean it was seedy around the chicago it was theater like like i like i think we talked about it on the last go around was we talked about how you know people think of cinema history and they think of grindhouses out in new york and they think of obviously hollywood and la but so many towns had their own cinema history and chicago is chicago's grindhouse history i think while maybe not as prevalent is i think just as fascinating as new york's Agreed. All right. So again, this weekend, Halloween three, Friday night, season of the witch with an with, intro by James Van Osdell with an intro by James Van Osdell, which will look a lot like what you're looking at right now. It'll be me in a black t-shirt in front of a microphone in my home office. <laughs> hey, should I go somewhere else to do it? No, do it right there. You got it set up. It'll look right. good. You look good. The last time when you introduced black magic Two, and, uh, did you, Jason goes else? to hell? You did you Jason goes to hell? Yeah. More sold Friday out. The 13th. Sold out. Jason goes to hell. Sold out that night. That that was something fantastic. All right, Mike <laughs> Vanderbilt. Thank you. Stay right there. Okay, I'm going to talk to you for one second before. Absolutely. We... Thank you for having me. All right. Here we go. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening.